Fauci via Faust or Fauci the Liar. This is the Fedora Chronicles News of the Week for June 6th, 2021. Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Render Kingfist, discussed the treasure trove of emails to and from Dr. Fauci that was released to the press earlier this week that date back to the early months of the pandemic. These emails provide an in-depth look behind the scenes and a glimpse into what he actually thought and believed at the time on the topics such as masks, mask usage, and the virus's origins. Who and what is Anthony Fauci? A liar and a hypocrite? A Machiavellian scientist? A virologist who sold his soul and his integrity for knowledge, fame, and fortune? Or is Dr. Tony just a man who was at the wrong place at the wrong time and suffers from guilt by association and got cut up in the world's worst manufactured biological catastrophe in our lifetime? Or all of the above? Stay tuned. So there's a woman out there, and we've talked about her, and we talked about her book, Dr. Judy Minkovitz, who has written this really powerful book, talking, and the title of the book is The Plague of Corruption. And one of the things that she had talked about is how Dr. Fauci is this hustler. He's the guy who is able to convince people to pour all of these money, all of this money, into experimental research. And she has a mountain of evidence that she took with her after she was fired from the laboratory where she was working. She was talking about how the contaminations inside everyday vaccines is what's causing so many cancers and diseases. And people are turning a blind eye to her evidence because the pharmaceutical companies are making literally billions, if not trillions of dollars every year. It's a multi-billion dollar, multi-trillion dollar industry yeah. that she was upsetting. She had all this, and she was, she was talking about how, um, the, how many, um, a lot of tissue samples from the animals and aborted fetuses where these vaccines were harvested from are finding their ways into the bloodstream of people who are being immunized. She's not anti-vax. By no stretch of the imagination is Dr. Judy Mikovitz anti-vax. But she is anti-vax contamination, just like the rest of us. Right. And going back uh, literally a year ago this month, I was up in northern New England I want to be I want to be careful because I I don't want to say too much about this because I don't want people to harass this doctor who pointed me in this direction. I was at this hospital for this reason. A procedure was being done on a family member. I got to talking to somebody who worked at the hospital and said there's somebody that I'd like to meet. I met with this woman who was a virologist and the person who I just met said this is Eric Fisk. And he does a podcast and he's he's already done. I think we only did two episodes or three episodes on COVID so far. And he fancies Eric fancies himself as an investigative reporter slash podcaster. What can you tell us about COVID-19? And she sat me down and she said that she's willing to talk to anybody who's willing to listen. And she went on to tell me this convoluted story about how there's absolutely no way that this virus originated in the Hunan wet market, literally across the street from the laboratory where they're literally studying and genetically modifying coronaviruses to make them more dangerous. There's absolutely no way. Her problem is, is that the more that she tries to talk to people, the more strange occurrences were happening to her mm-hmm. like for whatever reason mail didn't show up in her in in her mailbox at work um things would go missing like her scrubs weren't being replenished the way other people's scrubs were weird things were happening and it must have been even it's it seemed that 
at first it was just an oversight, just a series of coincidences. Mm -hmm. And the more she talked about the lab leak hypothesis with her colleagues and pointing them to in the direction of Brett Weinstein and Yuri Deegan, who did that incredible episode back in April of last year on the Dark Horse, Horse podcast, talking about the lab leak hypothesis, the more people were shunning her. And she went on to say, you have to read this book by Judy Minkovitz. I never would have found this this book if it wasn't for this doctor at this hospital. And there is this circumstantial evidence that just keeps mounting that we're in the midst of the greatest scientific cover-up in our lifetimes, perhaps in the history of the United States that I can think of. Well, it's possible. I mean, I'm trying to think because there wasn't any cover-ups with like the polio or, well, I mean, there was some with AIDS, but that's rather dubious. So, yeah, I don't think it's unfair to say that if, if everything that's being currently reported now is true, that this may very well be the biggest medical cover-up in the U.S. history. We also talked a lot about how we've been shadow banned. Like, right. like we have talked about how our links to other episodes that we have done have been removed from specific groups that talk about conspiracy theories. You can talk about how Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin never landed on the moon, despite the fact there's a mountain of evidence that proves otherwise. There's more than half a million people, or there's under half a million people who worked on that project. Yep. Out of all those people, nobody's come forward with the smoking gun saying that the moon landing was faked. The people who, the proponents of the moon landing being faked have been debunked. They've been outed as being charlatans. Right. You can talk about how the earth is flat all you want. It doesn't make it true. Right. You you won't get deplatformed from social media. But you start talking about how, or we started to talk about the lab leak hypothesis and links to our articles and our episodes were removed from groups talking about conspiracy theories. And let's also be completely honest. I've been banned from conspiracy theory groups because I explained to folks, how is it that the earth is actually round and why it's not flat? Right. And that was from their doing. And the thing is, I'm rude when it comes to flat earthers and lunar landing hoaxers. And I admit that. I am very mean-spirited when it comes to that. Yep. I understand why people do not want to believe that this was created in a lab. Talking about the coronavirus. Yep. It's a very scary thing because then that leads you to believe or wonder and ask yourself, what else is being cooked up in these labs and what else is escaping? What else aren't they telling us? What are well, What else aren't they telling us? And the thing is, is that we did this episode talking about how the lab leak hypothesis is getting mainstream attention and it's it's being promoted as a legitimate theory by people who months ago or weeks ago were poo-pooing the idea and they were talking right. and they're talking about how you 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 look at it and i did this thought experiment with my son it was like we took these um, two scrap pieces of wood and we put them close together side by side and so, now this isn't to scale but you look at the size of our property as being the city of wuhan and these in mm-hmm. these two pieces of wood these two scrap pieces of wood are, represent two buildings in the city of wuhan one is a hunan wet market and the other one across the street is the Institute of Virology. And then we took this third piece of wood and put it off maybe a yard away. And we said, this is an apartment building. And when we were talking about this apartment building, the rent is so expensive here at this apartment building that people who work at the Hunan wet market can't afford to live there. But people who work at the Wuhan Institute of Virology can afford to live there. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
And my son's like nodding his head. He's nodding his head. He's now at this point because he's heard me talk about this so much. Now he's just humoring me and not doing a very good job of it. And he said, now there's this global pandemic that started here in the city. Now here in this building, in in this, this scrap piece of wood, people are actually experimenting on coronaviruses to see how deadly they can make this virus. And some of the people who work here live here in this building. And many people who live in this apartment building had COVID-like symptoms as far back as October or November of 2019. Now, we know that some of the animals that were experimented on at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were sold for meat as meat across the street at at the Hunan wet market. Now, to just to clarify for those in the cheap seats that aren't paying attention, this is not disputed by anybody. This is not disputed by anybody. This is when we say we know this, this is a fact. We know this, this is, is a, a verifiable fact. fact. We know for a fact that the Wuhan Institute of Virology was experimenting on coronaviruses. We know right. this for a we know this for a fact. And we also know that the, some of the animals that they were experimented on were sold for human consumption, i.e. eating, at the wet market across the street. That is also fact and undisputed. Right. And, and apparently this doctor was sentenced to prison for selling these infected animals. He was sentenced back in October of 2019. Very quietly swept under the rug. Not a lot of people are talking about that. Now, you could say that, yes, this this was the origin of COVID-19. You could say that and not be wrong. But to say that somehow the virus mutated all by its lonesome at the Hunan wet market. I'm also I'm also getting I'm also getting messages from other people. I literally got a message from somebody asking me, are we going to talk about Fauci this week? (laughs) <laughs> hold your horses and folks. Sen- and, and, we're working on it and sent me a, a, a link to an article that's already in our show notes <laughs> you could say that the virus originated and spread through the hunan wet market you could easily say that and not be oh, yeah. wrong because right. because this doctor and perhaps maybe some of his underlings were selling test animals to the wet market to be eaten by other people. What you can't say definitively is that the virus began at the wet market. You can't you can't say that with a straight face anymore. Knowing full well that they were actually experimenting on coronaviruses literally across the street. Saying the virus had nothing to do with the with the Wuhan Institute of Virology is ridiculous. It doesn't pass the bullshit sniff test. And, right. and, and yet there are people who don't know the facts like we do, haven't studied this topic the way that we do, are insisting that we all accept and adapt the zoonotic origin theory, which in and of its face is it's it's fantasy. Well, my question is, what is their motivation? Why is it so important that we accept that theory? Why is it that you have people like Joanne McIntyre, who confronted us on the Facebook group for PBS Frontline about how how about how we we won't accept the zoonotic origin theory that's tied to the Hunan wet market across the street from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Because the more that you look at it and the more that you were looking at all the clandestine things that were going on behind the scenes, the more you realize it's a ridiculous theory. Yeah, it's borderline fantasy at this point. I I, I go so far as to say, no, no, that's that's not fantasy. That, that's not borderline fantasy. That is fantasy. Because now people are texting my wife and asking her if we're going to talk about this this week. 
I don't know if you could hear the phone going off in the in the, in the background. <laughs> no, I couldn't. That's, that's pretty damn hilarious. <laughs> damn, Eric's not responding. Let's let's ask Carol. <laughs> hey, are they going to talk about this? They are right now. Will you shut up? You're interfering with the group. Leave them alone. <laughs> so one of the things that got us started on this from the New York Post. Fauci finally admits COVID-19 may have come from a lab leak after his emails have been exposed. This is uh, written by Mark Moore, published, Jesus, yesterday? So this isn't the one, but it's one of them. Yeah. There have been a firestorm of articles written about these emails from, from Fauci, or as to and from Fauci. And one of the alarm bells, as far back as February 1st or 2nd of 2000, people were starting to ask Fauci up front about the lab leak hypothesis. This is even before Brett Weinstein and Yuri Deegan did their episode in April of last year. And immediately, Fauci goes on the defensive or a better offensive. A campaign, what's the best way to say this? When it goes on a disinformation campaign, goes on a campaign to discredit anybody who talks about the lab leak hypothesis and goes goes on a crusade to put as much distance between him and the NIH, what is it, National Institute of Health, and their efforts to get funding for Peter Daszak's Wuhan Institute of Virology that was also being funded by his EcoHealth Alliance. Going back even before, going back even further than 2012, because here on our show notes, we have an editorial written by Fauci and two other doctors talking about how we need to do gain-of-function research on these deadly pathogens, regardless of the risk. Opinion. And this is from the Washington Post. This is December nope. 30th. Of 2011. Of 2011. Blue virus risk worth taking. Anthony Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. Gary Nabble is director of the Vaccine Research Center at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. And Francis Collins is the director of the NIH, <laughs> National Institute of Health. And here he goes on and he, he's, he's talking about how this deadly influenza virus is circulated early in birds in recent year, disseminating flocks, but rarely spreading to hum, humans. Nonetheless, its presence in bird flocks is a highly pathogen avian influenza virus has loomed as a major public health threat. Seasonal influenza kills less than 1% of the people it infects. In contract, humans, human infections with H5N1, though exceedingly rare, are fatal in more than half the cases. Should this virus mutate in ways that allows to be transmitted as efficiently among people as seasonal flu influenza as it could be an unprecedented toll on human life? Okay, let's study these viruses. But he goes on to, to talk about how important this research is and the odds of it being very rare or very small of there being a lab leak, it's worth the risk. He closes, or the, these three close the paragraph, along with the support for this research comes a responsibility to ensure that the information is used for good. Safeguarding against potential accident releases or deliberate misuse of laboratory pathogens is imperative. The engineered virus developed in ferret experiments are maintained in high-level laboratories. The scientists, journal editors, and funding agencies involved are working together to ensure that access to specific information that could be used to create dangerous pathogens is limited to those with an established and legitimate need to know. In short, don't worry, folks. There are all of these safeguards in place. The idea of this thing ever escaping is extremely rare because we are surrounded by people who are professionals, professionals. And reliable and all of they're that. reliable professionals don't try this at home yeah we're supposed Move to along tr- there's nothing to see here we're supposed to trust these experts so between 2000 
and 11 and 2019, Fauci basically had a second full-time job getting funding for research in these laboratories. Meanwhile, people were raising the alarm bells. People like Barack Obama was saying, gain-of-function research is dangerous. We're going to put a monitorium of having these experiments done here in the United States. Okay, fine. We'll help China become the world leader in bio-research. Right. Remember people on the political right being upset that you know, such valuable research was going to China. I remember hearing articles and opinion yeah. pieces about that. Well, one of the things that has come out in the past week is that people have been asking Fauci via the email for more than a year. It's been, could it be more than a year and a half since um, December 31st, 2019 has it been at least a year and a half not quite not it's, quite it's been close to a year and a half not quite it's just, close to a year, a year and a half and people are asking could the nih have anything to do with covid19 if it was indeed modified in the laboratory and then fauci right. basically says we need to silence these people who are raising these concerns. We need to silence these people. We need to discredit these people by any means necessary. Is essentially what he's been saying in these emails. Right. Now, this is what I love about people saying that there's no left media, that there's, it's all conservative. If you look at that article, I don't know about you, but the post recommends right underneath where the comment section is, the first link that I have is the alleged Fauci quote-unquote smoking gun emails. Go ahead and read that to us, Jay, and make sure I send, yeah. I can't, it's behind a, it's behind a paywall. Oh, okay. <laughs> Otherwise, I would love to. You would love to. So over the past couple of days, going back as far as Monday, mm -hmm. when these emails were first released... A lot of people are saying, this is it. This is the smoking gun. Fauci knew, and he lied about it. He lied about our involvement with the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Meanwhile, there are countless articles online dating back to at least 2011 where Fauci was saying, hey, the, the, the rewards are worth the risk. We ought to do this. We ought to do this research. There's undeniable proof that he was involved in gathering up the funding, taxpayer funding, grants from the United States government going into this research while people were raising the alarm bells. People who were concerned about bioethics were raising concerns about these experiments. And Fauci was the first guy to say, I understand the risk. I understand what we're doing here is dangerous, but we have top men working on this. There's, there's, there's no way that there could be an accident. Accidents do happen. And I'm not even sure if I should tell this story or this anecdote. I work in a factory where we make medical supplies and tests and test kits. And we finished a lot. We finished a work order. And part of my, my job, part of my task is to do a line clearance and to make sure that everything from the old lot is, is removed from the area. So when we start the new lot, we start the new lot fresh and there's no, there's no, um, nothing is mislabeled. Like we're not producing any new product with the old product lot number on it. And we did the line clearance. We cleared out all the old product. We, we looked, uh, we, and, and a fellow cell leader of, of mine, a fellow cell leader, helped me go through the machine. We, op we literally opened it up. And mm -hmm. we looked everywhere to make sure that there were no tubes with the old lot number on the tubes there's no there's no old labels on the new tubes what we didn't know is that the printer that prints the labels 
is notorious in keeping old print jobs in queue even after you shut this off and turn it back on. What we didn't know is that if you wanted, if you wanted to clear the print queue out of this printer, you literally have to shut it off for at least 12 minutes. I don't know why it's 12 minutes. So it was time to run the new lot. Probably just when the capacitors run out. Probably. Okay. I have to get a label for the tube that with a correct lot number and put it in the new work order. And I looked at it and I said to the tech, I said, hey, this has the this this it's it's still printing labels from the previous lot. So he advanced the roll and gave me the first label with the new lot number, not knowing that when he did that, some of the old labels with the old lot numbers advanced and they went two or three of them went on the first couple of tubes on the brand new lot. So when we sent the first samples to Q for QA or QC, whatever you want to call it. First thing that they noticed, these tubes have the old lot number on it and I got into trouble. I should have inspected all of them before we sent them off to QA. This was, this was on the third day of a three-day work week or a work, I don't know what you would call it. It's our work schedule. We work yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We work 12 hours a day, and we were kind of in a rush to get this done as quickly as we could so we can get the samples to quality so she won't be there all night or she won't be there late. We sort of had this rush to excellence mentality. Whereas even though that we put all the safeguards in place, we had two people inspecting every aspect of this. We didn't know until I came home later and saw that this printer is notorious in keeping print jobs in queue for far long. Even after you clear the queue, it still has it still has some of the the um, the old print jobs in in the memory in the storage. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen to me come Monday, but I know that with all the safeguards in place, we still made a mistake. Something still slept through. Thank God this woman in QA caught it before it made it out to the customer. Thank God for her. It, you know, yeah. It's not life or death, but it's, 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 it's majorly embarrassing. And I can tell you that as hard as we tried, I still made this mistake. There's nobody else to blame but myself. The, the mistake was still made. Now, if we're, making, if we're making this mistake at a place that makes these tests and, ma and, and makes the supplies for these tests, and we're making all this other product, and I know from watching other people and seeing what's going on, people are not properly using PPE. People are not properly covering their faces properly. We had to let this woman go because she was she had these horrible allergies. She had her face mask off and she was constantly rubbing her nose, rubbing her face, leaving dirty snot rags all over the place while she was handling the frames that go into making test kits. And everything that she made that afternoon had to be thrown out. She was working in a corner all by herself where nobody could see her except for me. And I pointed out to her supervisor, her cell leader, that this was going on. And they had to fire her. And they had to let everything go. Right. There are people who are not being supervised all the time. Accidents and mistakes are being made all the time. We catch them as often as we can. Right. And that's that's like the eternal struggle, right? Is any, any organization, like even I work in the cloud and one of our biggest things that we do is we have things set up to minimize human error as much as possible. It's still going to happen. You can never eliminate human error unless you eliminate the human factor. So it's to be expected that you want to minimize that as much as possible. It doesn't matter if you're in manufacturing, if you're in you know, uh, cloud administration like I am, or if you're in, let's just pull something out of the hat here and say, Dealing with an, a gain-of-function research in, in a highly infectious disease, right? Right. I mean, it's 
why was it so virulently opposed that it might to even suggest it might have come from there? Why was Fauci so hard charging about killing any story that suggested that? Here's a perfect answer to that question. Tristan Justice published this article June 3rd, 2021 on thefederalist.com. And granted, this is an editorial. The title reads, Fauci email dump illustrates a dismissive physician who rose to fame to cover his own scandal. The treasure trove of Anthony Fauci's emails this week peels back the curtain on a government bureaucracy operating as a government bureaucrat. A treasure trove of emails from the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the NIAID, Director Anthony Fauci, were made public last week by BuzzFeed News after a Freedom of Information Act opened the inbox of the nation's face of the pandemic and ensuing institutional decay. Goes on to, to talk about how Anthony Fauci was looked on as somebody who was like made into a godlike fig- figure. Like Tucker Carlson said it best, Fauci is the Jesus Christ character for people whose God is science. And that you look at all these other media outlets that are looking at this and, and looking at his emails, talking about how he very early... Fauci dismissed the evidence that this was a man-made virus. Yeah. And anybody who questioned about whether or not this is a man-made virus was discredited. And there was the, and there was an obvious disinformation campaign. Anybody who says this is obviously a Trump supporter because Trump is one of the earliest people to say, "Hey, this is a man-made uh, this is a man-made catastrophe." Right. And there was an article, I don't have it in front of me, I could have sworn I sent it to you though, where they actually were saying that it was a failure of, um, it was it was actually a failure of opinion. People were so opposed to Trump that anything he said then automatically needed to be opposed. Yeah. Where was, do you remember what article that was? Was that the, was that the post one? I think it was the post one. I'm going to double check it real quick. Do-do-do. Fauci admits COVID could have come from Wuhan lab, but it's with Rand Paul. No, this isn't the one. Although it's really interesting because it says in this article, a quote from Fauci, Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely, entirely, and completely incorrect. The NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research, gain research in the Wuhan Institute. Oops. There are so many ways and so many times that Fauci was caught in a lie or a misdirection. The whole issue with the face masks in the very beginning, you don't have to wear face masks. And then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks later, oh, my God, we have to everybody has to wear face masks. He was completely, totally against a lockdown, a 14 day lockdown (laughs) to flatten the curve. Right. And and what happened? Now, all of a sudden, it's like we have to, like, shut down the economy. Everybody has to stay home for at least 14 days. Well, didn't he also earlier this year, he was advocating for wearing two masks. Right. Something ridiculous like that. Now we have to wear two masks. I mean, and it's again, I don't have a problem with a scientist saying, hey, due to. Things we've learned, we when we thought this was, you know, this particular thing, whatever it was, um, was the case. That's wrong. All right, that's science in action. But you can't do that by saying we know for a fact this, you know, that wearing a mask doesn't work. And then they say we know for a fact that wearing a mask works. Then they say that we know for a fact that if you get the vaccination. You don't have to wear a mask. And then they say, we know for a fact that even though you've had the vaccination, you still have to wear two masks. Well, what the fuck is it? If you started off from the beginning saying, we believe that wearing a mask is not going to help at all. And then you say, okay, well, considering what we've learned since then, we believe that wearing a mask is is probably the best thing to do. 
And then you say, okay, now that you've been vaccinated, you no longer have to wear a mask. And then after that, you say, well, we thought that, but you can't say we know for a fact. You can't state that this is unequivocal truth if it's a theory. And that's the problem I have with Fauci. He's never once said, we believe this to be the case, right? I mean, just look at, there's that one article that I, I just read from the, um, the New York Post where he told Senator Paul in, in Congress, in, in the Senate, when he was testifying before the Senate, he said, we've never, ever funded that. And then lo and behold, there's you know other stories that are coming out now saying that he sent as much as $600,000 in funding. So he was lying. He's lying. He's lying. Completely lying. That was basically the um, the title of this episode until I says, oh, we should go with a Faust angle. Because yeah. I think because because like that you you post links that prove that Fauci lied and that people come down on you like a ton of bricks saying, oh, Fauci didn't lie. He was misinformed. And then you read these emails and it was like it's obviously he's trying to manipulate public opinion first to cover his own tracks in his own duplicity because Fauci was responsible for funds going to these labs, especially the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where these experiments were taking place. And then yeah. he was lying to cover his own tracks because he either misspoke or he was trying to prevent a catastrophe um, from frontline workers not having the PPE that they that they needed. So he purposefully lied saying masks won't help to make sure that the people who need them the most didn't get them. Don't go now, without. Now, here's a question. Is it possible that he's opening himself up to a lawsuit? Well, that's the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we closed out this show. Oh, sorry. No, I, I think that this is the perfect time to bring it up. Just between you and me, somebody who has followed this case from the very beginning, should Fauci face criminal charges? I don't know about criminal charges, but I definitely think civil lawsuits. Because here's the thing when it comes to criminality, right? What did he, What law did he break? What is the law that he broke? Perjury. Because he was okay, so under he gets, oath. So he gets sent to a fucking club fed for nine months at most. Good behavior out in three, right? Maybe. If that. Or he gets sued by the people whose family members died because he said they didn't need a mask when he knew they did. Or when he said that they weren't doing gain of function research when they were, when he said that, you know what I mean? All of the people who have died because of his lies, if they were to sue him, now they're meaningfully impacting his life. Because you know as well as I do, if he goes, if he goes to a club-fed prison for three to, for a three to nine-month vacation paid for by the taxpayers, and then he's going to get a golden parachute retirement, is that what is that justice being served? No, of course not. Right. Let the people sue him. The people who have lost loved ones sue his ass. Right. They're saying that we lost 250,000 people last year because of this virus. Well, now we have evidence suggesting that he knowingly and willfully lied to the American public, knowing that they were that there were people that were going to die. Yeah. And, you know, because he wanted to protect something that he said or this this lab for whatever reason right sue him for that right or if you're gonna or if you're gonna put him on trial that's manslaughter second degree manslaughter he knew it would end up in people's deaths and did nothing to stop it when that was his job was to stop it if you're gonna send him up for you know criminal case that's the one to send him for but I don't agree with that because in his position, you're going to make mistakes. And suing someone because they lied makes more sense to me than trying someone in, as a criminal for second-degree manslaughter as they were just doing a bad job. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like he was uh, chauvin with his knee on, on the guy's back 
You know, he wasn't out there actively killing people. He made decisions that resulted in people's deaths. Well, that's part of the job that he holds. So holding someone criminally accountable for that, for making bad decisions, seems a little overkill to me. However, that doesn't absolve them of any responsibility or accountability. But I do think that's up to the individual people who have lost loved ones to eke out that justice. And that would be a lawsuit. What's also amazing to me is that here's an article that was sent to us by one of our listeners. Washington Post's Rogan exposes media for hushing coronavirus outbreak details linked to Fauci. Robin dubs Fauci godfather of gain-of-function research as we know it. Washington Post columnist Josh Rogan, or Rogan, Torched the media for staying silent as the coronavirus outbreak developed into a pandemic under Dr. Fauci's watch. In an interview with Megyn Kelly Wednesday, Rogan revealed that scientists who wish to speak out on the details of COVID-19 are barred from doing so since research funding comes from organizations like the National Institute of Health, which are influenced or run or are run by Fauci. I often think scientists who say something, who say the same thing, they say, listen, we really want to speak out about this, but we really can't. Why can't we do it? Well, we all get our funding from the NIH or the NIAID, which is run by Fauci, he said on Kelly's podcast. And so we can't say anything like, oh, gain-of-function research might be dangerous or it might have come from the lab because we're going to lose our careers and we're going to lose funding and we're not going to be able to get work. Right. So here we have somebody, a columnist from the Washington Post, and last time I checked, it's not a radical right-wing rag. People right. are People are coming out and it's saying obvious. They're saying the obvious. We know these people have been silenced. Yep. We know that there have been people who have been told to shut the fuck up. We have witnessed videos on YouTube that have been removed because people are pointing out that the zoonotic origin theory is fantasy. The kind of fantasy that would make token blush. And the more that you look at it, the more obvious it is that this thing was started in, in, in the lab, without a doubt. There's no way that you could look at this and not come to the realization this is a genetically modified virus that was harvested thousands of miles away from the Wuhan lab, genetically modified, and somehow escaped. You can't look at this and say that that didn't happen now. And to sort of like come full circle, Brett Weinstein, who did this terrific interview with Yuri Deegan, April of last year, and I'm actually calling it up right now on my own device. Mm-hmm. Come on now. Um, COVID inter um, ivermedicine and the crime of the century. Dark ho- ho- uh, dark horse podcast with Pierre Pierre Corey and Brett Weinstein. It's a two-hour-long episode, two-hour-plus, where they actually talk about the, the information being stifled by big tech, such as Google, Twitter, and Facebook, and how anybody who has a legitimate, predominant voice in the realm of silence was purposefully silenced by the big three tech companies from talking about this, and how... People who had alternate treatments for COVID, including this drug, and I'm going to, and I keep mispronouncing it, ivermedicine, which has been safe for treating all kinds of diseases, such as river blindness in third world countries, in um, in in and around rainforests. This has been a treatment for these horrible diseases that is also effective in preventing and combating COVID-19 infections. And that there are these doctors who said, we should, we should try this. We should try this medicine, see what happens. What's the worst that could happen? And people were banned from talking about it on social media. Why? Because the pharmaceutical companies have invested all this time and money 
into the COVID-19 vaccine. Yep. So what do we do? Well, that's the question, isn't it? I mean, we need to do something, it feels like. But what is what is the appropriate action? And when it comes to Dr. Fauci, I, I still believe that maybe a class action lawsuit or something like that would be the appropriate response. But then what's to stop the next Dr. Fauci? What's to, what's to prevent someone else from gaining his level of influence and pulling the same shit? Yeah. I mean, just because they got Nixon out of office doesn't mean that no one else who's been in office has ever done what Nixon did since he left. They just got better at covering it up, right? I wish I knew what the next step was. I do too. I, I honestly wish I knew what the next step was. Because everything you know that- what let's let's leave it up to the listeners. Hit us up on on our our group page, our Facebook page. You tell us what what should be the next step. What do we do next? And what should be done to Doctor Fauci? Yeah, because how do we punish Doctor Fauci, and how do we prevent another incident like this from happening? Well, here's the other thing, and 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 breaking news: it's been confirmed that his book, "Expect the Unexpected," which was the tie-in to a documentary on his life by the by National Geographic, has been canceled. One of the immediate yeah. outcomes of this email dump is that his book has been canceled. Well, I mean, in some ways. That's a good thing. Although I do think if they're making a a movie about his life, this should be the next chapter in the movie. You know how the movie ends. Yeah, because I I don't think the written that the end has been written yet. Um, Yeah, just reading this this from Dateline. Doctor Fauci's book scrubbed from Amazon, Barnes Noble after premature posts. So his book has essentially been pulled from Amazon and Barnes Noble which may or may not have something to do with this email scandal. I don't think that this is the end. I think that as more and more people go digging into the emails, I think that they're going to find out more and more about Fauci. Oh, yeah. I, think that we're, I think we're going to find out how, how much more involved. Because here's the thing. These aren't even all the, the, his emails. This is only his emails from a certain window of time. I, I think it's only from, and I could be wrong about this, it's only from... Um, December of 2019 to April or May of 2020. I think that there's a lot of other things out there that, that we ought to know. And we're pro- there's probably going to be a, yet another email dump. Do I think, do I, here's, and here's the other question. Do I think that he's criminally ne- negligent or do I think that there is some maliciousness on his part because he was trying to cover well, up his involvement? That's the key question, isn't it? Negligence is one thing. Making a mistake is understandable. It's human. But doing so maliciously, that's where people get, you know, get kind of pissed off. You know, in, in that one article that we read earlier where he was saying gain of function is worth the risk of a pandemic. He's basically saying the knowledge we gain is worth the possibility of thousands and thousands of deaths. That yeah. seems malicious. It does. That's like the same justification that what's his name? The not with all of experiments on twins. Joseph Mengele. Mengele. Yeah. Thank you. You know, that's the same mentality. A few people have to die so that we can learn this knowledge. To what end? What is the point of gain of function? To see how it could mutate. Okay, that's nice. You know what else could cause mutation? A giant nuclear war across the entire globe should we engage in one of those so we can know what's going to what would happen if it were to happen well can we contain it in a lab jay because we all know that labs are safe we we all know the answer to that is no (laughs) because the other thing that had occurred to me is it what else have we funded what other programs have we funded because it's not just the wuhan institute of virology Take it back to the review that I did uh, about the book, The Dead Hand. There are countless other clandestine experiments and facilities where these experiments were conducted that we're just starting to know about. Yeah. What, what about this horrible strain in India? 
What about this COVID strain in India? Now, is it the same COVID strain that we've all been combating and they're just more susceptible to the symptoms because the, well, the, the, the country is impoverished or is, is there something more? Well, I mean, that's the scary part, right? Is that once a disease has, uh, has been released, it's rarely eradicated. We still have smallpox. And with the rise of anti-vaxxers, there's certain other diseases like polio that are making a comeback, right? So on the one hand, I get the intellectual curiosity behind gain-of-function research. I get that. However, if the risk is 250,000 people around the world dead, I'm okay with that being an intellectual pursuit and not one that needs an answer that actually deserves funding for an answer. This, you know, is, it, this, this, is, this is terrifying here. It really is. Um, I'm just going to hit um, the, the Economic Times from India. New strain responsible for COVID surge in Northeast India, experts say. While experts are trying to identify the causes which led to the huge surge of COVID-19 positive caves in Northeast India during the second wave, one reason being a tribute is, is the new strain hitting the region. So yet, there's an, yet another strain of COVID. Where does it end? I and is this all a result of the gain of function research? What is, where is all this coming from? Where did, where did this strain come from? Right, exactly. And, and of course, because we're crazy conspiracy theorists. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now it's like the, um, Vietnam is now being affected by a new strain. Super infectious Delta variant of COVID-19 drove second wave in India, says study. B16172 became the dominant strain in the UK. So now we're talking about yet another variant of the virus that I, I, I've just been immunized against. Yeah. I, I, I had to take two days off because I knew that I was going to have um, symptoms. Yeah, my daughter was, one of my daughters, when she got hers, laid her up for a couple of days, too. Yeah, because if it turns out that that they have released this powerful virus with the ability to mutate and become more virulent with every mutation, and if it turns out that this was a lab leak, if I were the people who were involved here, I wouldn't be buying any green bananas. <laughs> right. Because Dr. Fauci said it was worth the risk. These experiments were worth the risk. He said that back in 2011. How many people are going to die because of this? And the thing is, is like, is it going to get, is it going to get worse? If this new strain comes to the United States and the vaccine that we're all taking to fight COVID-19 turns out to be useless against this new strain, what, what are we going to do? And on top of that, there's also the psychological damage. That has happened to to the country. People don't want to leave their houses. People don't want to go to work. Right. We have a labor shortage here in the United States because on the one hand, people have rethought their lives surrounding the work-life balance on the one hand. And yet on the other hand, we've been terrified and scared into staying at home, wearing masks, and not interacting with other people. This is terrifying. Right. Like we had a we had a company meeting the other day and, and in it they're talking about how, you know, by, by the end of the year they hope to be having the offices open and people going back to work in the offices. And one of the questions asked in the meeting was, why do we have to? Yeah. You know, now you could take that a number of ways. It could be someone who's like, you know, I like not having to sit in a fucking car for a commute or try and find parking, stuff like that. Or is it someone who's genuinely afraid of being exposed in a social context to whatever the latest mutation of a deadly disease is? And I'm still one of the things that bothers me about the coronavirus is how unreliable some of the numbers are that we've gotten. How many people have died from the coronavirus? Well, comorbidity got thrown out there after, I believe it was Colorado, scientists were like, okay, you have found the cure for heart disease and car accidents and murder. 
and it's called coronavirus because everything's being called coronavirus death. So I don't know if they've adjusted those numbers because of that. Is that where they that why they came out with the comorbidity thing, which seems to me like something that should have been part included as part of the numbers to begin with? You know, I mean, and then there's the people who have had their lives altered because they had COVID. There are people now who have permanent lung damage and, and brain, their quality and, of and, life. Yeah, and brain damage and internal right. organ damage. Exactly. So how dangerous is this virus? I mean, I suspect personally that the death toll from coronavirus is much, much lower than we've been led to believe. However, the people who have had some life-altering consequences of having had it is much, much higher, you know? And what in either case, was it high enough? Are those numbers big enough to justify trashing the economy? Considering our reactions were probably wrong, the things we did probably didn't affect the spread of it all that much. Why did we overreact? Because we knew that this virus was far more dangerous than what were we what we were being told by right. other and, governments. Now the question is, is that was it far more dangerous than what we were being told? By what magnitude? Is it twice as right. is it twice as deadly, three times as deadly? Let's not forget also, Jay, that one of the first episodes that we did on the topic of COVID nineteen, we were talking about how city officials in the city of Wuhan were literally spraying the sides of buildings with disinfectant. Yeah. I mean, there was there was widespread panic. This has had a huge negative impact on our economy. How much of this was because of political gamemanship? How much of trashing the economy was because they needed to ensure Trump didn't have a roaring economy going into the 2020 election? How much of it was that motivation rather than genuine concern over the impact it would have on people? people's lives. This is there's no question that this was a dangerous virus, but I do question the numbers attached to it. Was it dangerous because, you know, there's a chance if you get this that you, you won't be able to enjoy the lifestyle you had before due to internal organ damage or is it dangerous because people are going to die from it or is it dangerous because it exacerbates already existing problems and was any of that such a degree that it was worth trashing the economy and causing the subsequent increase in spousal abuse, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, suicides, um, the murder rate increased as a result of people being stuck in the same room together because they were in quarantine. All of those numbers, how much is that balanced out by? But look how many lives we saved. I want to read this headline. Know? I want to read this headline. China is sending trucks to spray bleach on entire cities as the country struggles to contain the Wuhan coronavirus. This is by Hillary Brueck. And you look at this, this freaked people right the fuck out. Yeah. People, people were getting, people were freaking out because there was like Wuhan, the epicenter of the coronavirus began a citywide sterilization campaign. Chinese Netizens hail the move, hoping it will lead the city back to safety. There were these countless articles about how people, how city officials were spraying down the city to combat this virus. And, and at first, that seems like an overreaction. Did Fauci say anything about why the cities were being sprayed with disinfectant? Not that I'm aware of. And how effective was it? I don't know. You know, because one of the things I remember hearing at some point was that part of what makes the virus so dangerous was that most viruses die within seconds or minutes of contact with the air, whereas this one does not. That was one of the things I heard. I don't know if it's true or not. I couldn't even find the article if I had to. But, you know, there was so much misinformation that was out there. I mean, on the one hand, I don't want scientists to say, we know exactly what this is. We know ex when they don't. I want them saying, we're not entirely sure. But that also opens up people's belief in these far-fetched, unrealistic, you know, uh, claims about the virus. Did it really exist and stay alive and viable as an infectious disease on, the sur on contact surfaces greater than 24 hours? 
You know, I mean, at, at some point in time, I really it would be nice to read something that says, OK, this is what happened. This is some of the, the claims that were made about it. And this is the actual reality of it. This is what we've been able to prove. This is what we actually know was an impact of it. No, it wasn't that deadly, but it did have a lot of extremely damaging long-term effects to a great number of people in the population. There was an overreaction for political purposes, but at the same time, that overreaction, we theorize, saved X many people's lives. However, at the same time, this many people's lives were forfeited because of other things as a direct result of the incarceration or the the quarantine of people. You know what I mean? I would love to see that as like a pro and con list. That way there we can be better prepared if something like this were to happen in the future. A public figure who was hated as much as Trump was, what was the impact of that on our reaction to this virus? Anyone who says it had no reaction has not been paying any fucking attention whatsoever. No. Because it absolutely has. You know, there were there were stories that were not printed because it came from a Republican that were now in retrospect genuine and should have been looked at much more seriously, among which is the lab leak hypothesis. You know, there's been people in the New York Times that even admitted, yeah, the the media overreacted to it because it came from a, this Republican. And because Trump is such a raging racist who wants to murder everyone that isn't white. He, uh, you know, we may have overreacted a little bit. May have overreacted a little. Right. You know, it's New York Times, you know, getting them to say that much is like pulling teeth anyway. Well, I, I wanted to answer this question. I, th- I think that maybe I might close out the show. Um, we got we got all of these upvotes because the thing is, I posted this on Reddit. I posted our last show on Reddit here and somebody had posted this and I wanted to see. And I actually upvoted this as well. Peter Daszak has a few questions to answer. He was actually involved in the coronavirus research at Wuhan. But Fauci, how could you blame him? There are multiple theories to consider. Fauci was forced on the U.S. response, not the origin investigation. That is a freaking good point. Given the fog of war at the time, what would you have done? Here's the thing. I don't know. If whether or not, if I was in that position, I would have come right out and said the truth about the origin of where this virus came from. If I was Fauci, I don't know if I would say to the public, this originated in a lab and we should all be very scared. We should all be very concerned. I don't think that I would say that. I don't think that I would cause a panic. And here's the other thing. If I was in Fauci's position, I don't know if whether or not. I would have led the disinformation campaign and did everything I could to discredit the people who are calling attention to this. I would like to think that if I was in Fauci's position, I would just let the conspiracy theory play out and not answer to it. Just let it play out. You know, let let it find its own light. Let it find its own truth. But then again, Fauci was directly involved in getting the funding that's what I was just going to say. For this it's, research. It's, it's a hard call to make because at the same time, he knows how involved he was in ensuring that that research went on. So he's probably in denial about it in part because he doesn't want to admit his own culpability in the deaths and, and, and harm of so many. I mean, as much as we want to demonize Fauci, he's still a human. He is a doctor and he went into no one goes into being a doctor so that they can cause a pandemic. You know, they they all the doctors, at least that I've ever met at their core, want to help people in general. Yeah. Right. So someone who goes into their career for that reason, then having to realize that I fucked up in a big way and all of these people are dead and it's because of me. I can understand them not wanting to entertain that thought for overly long even if it's a practical just for practical reasons okay we need to get through to the end of this and then whatever happens happens you know even if that's the only motivation behind it but still it's that's a hard thing to say what i would do if i was fauci because i don't know how i mean we know he was involved we know he was involved 
with the research and ensuring the research went on. I don't know his, I, I don't know that I buy his gain of function, how committed he was to it, but still, no matter how you slice it, there's a part of him that feels responsible for all of this. He must. There's gotta be. Difficult question. Really yeah. a very difficult question for us to talk about. A very difficult conversation all around. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know how we're going to resolve this. And we may never. That's one of the things that I'm learning in life as, you know, as I get older. Some things we never have any form of resolution that is satisfactory. Sometimes we don't have any resolution at all. Yeah. Sometimes shit just happens and then you go through the rest of your life wondering what the fuck. Honestly believe that there's going to be another round of emails coming out and they're going to be even more damaging. Well, he's but he's a political animal. So are there going to be people who are going to defend him and then bury it? There's the other extreme that they could just throw him under the bus to save themselves because now already he's tainted. Yeah. Is he going to is he because that seems more likely in our political environment. He's tainted good. So we got to trash him. So now the Biden administration has already said that they have no plans of getting rid of him because I think in small, some part anyway, they view him as one of the people that helped get Trump out of office. But if it gets too hot, they're going to drop him like a hot potato because that's the nature of politics. I don't know. I'm just going to leave it to the listeners. You tell us what you think is going to happen to Fauci, what's going on with the lab leak hypothesis to, and, and, and join us on our Facebook group. And and on Twitter and tell us if we're all wet and how is this going to end it, or is this the end? Is this is this the beginning of something horrible? Yeah. Thank you once again, Jay, for a very interesting, fascinating show. And um, thank it's, you, it's, Eric. Yeah, it's 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 always good. Always good. Very very definitely definitely a huge eye opener and. Um, this this is going to keep us up at night far longer than it probably should <laughs> yeah congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website thefedorachronicles.com that's where you can find our show notes past episodes and articles follow us on Twitter Facebook Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page patreon.com slash fedora chronicles for a mere dollar a month you get early access to the podcast updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice terms and conditions apply thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing you can also support the show and show off your incredible impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com slash store slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King-Fisk signing off and reminding you Keep your chins up and put doors on.